0: Tell of all his wondrous works. No one
1: can he's fathom. Wonderful wonderful to tell of all his Remember the wonders he has done. No
2: one can fathom. Wonderful to tell. Wonderful to tell.
0: Hi guys, this is Wonderful to Tell. I'm Tracy Conrad. This week's episode is about a crisis, which unfortunately is a very relevant topic in today's world. So do you know where you'll go and how you'll react when the unthinkable happens? A true crisis? Will you be equipped to handle the situation? Do you have a plan? In this episode, Brandon and Audrey Stewart share their story about their time of crisis when their little baby was seriously injured. Here's Brandon and Audrey.
1: Gosh, the story that we're going to be sharing today is about our daughter, Cameron. And um, she's now two years old, but the story takes place when she was nine months old. And when we first started talking about how do we tell her story, it doesn't seem like it falls under the category of wonderful to tell. It kind of sounds to us, it's more of a sad story and um, not one that we ever necessarily wanted for our daughter or for us. But then when you start talking through it, you hear just over and over where God showed up and where um, He was present when we didn't even realize it. Um, and also where He gave us peace and just all these different things. And, um, and that is what makes it wonderful to tell. And so we're glad that we have the opportunity to... Um, share what he has done through her so far and, and really at what he did at nine months. So. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well said. So the, the story starts with, we had, uh, one couple friend, husband and wife that we had known for a while. And they'd always talked about the husband's family's ranch out in Abilene and, um, always talked about going out there. And, um, we joked because we hadn't been out there yet of, does this ranch even exist? Like, we, we want to go. When are you going to invite us? And so finally it worked out where one weekend we were able to go out to their family ranch in Abilene. And um, so it was a good weekend. We were having a great time. And on Saturday, Audrey and the wife went out four-wheeling and me and the husband stayed back. We were at the ranch house and um, I was with Cameron and the husband had his little two-year-old and we were watching college football hanging out. Cameron was playing on the floor right there and a door was shut and I'll back up just real quick. This is a ranch house in Texas. Lots of deer on the wall. Probably in this room there was about 15 to 20 deer mounts and so a door was shut and one of the deer mounts, which was a shoulder mount, so from the kind of the shoulder of the deer, its face and everything, and its antlers, fell off the wall when the door was shut. The uh, mount hit a little tight little kitchen, bounced out, and right where little Cameron was sitting playing, the point of the antler hit her in the left side of the top of her head. And um, immediately, I, I unfortunately saw it all, and, and immediately it it started gushing blood, and I could tell that this was really bad. Um, so we scrambled to uh, find something to stop the bleeding, um, and By the grace of God, which you'll hear that phrase kind of throughout this story, is by the grace of God, somehow the husband was able to get a hold of the wives who were out four-wheeling, you know, with no reception all that, got a hold of them, and they raced back for us to go to the hospital while I'm holding Cameron. She is thankfully conscious and screaming, crying, and um, lots of blood, so...
1: Yeah, I think when we pulled up um, on the four-wheelers, I think y'all had a sock on yeah, her we head, had a sock. if I remember right, and it was covered, and um, I just remember saying, like, what happened, what happened, and that wasn't the point at the moment of what happened, it was we need to get her to a hospital, and so then you start making decisions, like, do you put your infant in a car seat when you have to drive 40 minutes to a hospital, do you hold her, Do you, what do you do, and... So we immediately jumped in the car, no purse, no nothing. Um, our friend, the wife, jumped in the car with us, which was a good decision. Brandon got in the back with Cameron in her car seat. And um, we started driving. And that's probably one of my first takeaways is if you're ever in an emergency, don't drive. <laughs> um, it's probably the the most foolish thing I did throughout this whole thing because... I threw every law out the window, and I just drove, and it was these back country bumpy roads, and there were several times where we almost lost control of the car because of the way I was driving, and... um, 80 to
2: 100 miles per hour. Yeah, and
1: she's screaming, and Brandon's, you know, yelling at me, rightfully so, of like, you have got to slow down, and, you know, and you're like, but I have to go, and um, the wife, our friend, uh, she was on the phone calling the hospitals in Abilene saying, we're bringing an infant in who needs imaging. How long is your wait? How fast can we, we're strategizing. What is the fastest way we can get Cameron taken care of? And, um, sure enough, when, when, you know, it on a little two lane road, we encounter construction and this is like on a Saturday afternoon and, um, I of course, went around all the cars waiting in line for it, and unrolled my window and was was bawling crying and and yelling out at this construction worker trying to explain this is an emergency we we can't wait we they'd shut down the whole road. It's like we cannot wait, we have to go. well, he didn't speak english, and so then um we had – in the way the road was i couldn't I couldn't just break the law anymore um I didn't know what to do, so he got his supervisor supervisor finally came and that man just looked me right in the eye and he said follow me and we did so we followed him and I to this day don't know how he got us through this crazy construction back roads and through stuff and then had his window enrolled, just saying like go go but kind of just this like big cheerleader in a way and that man I have no idea who he is um, but he played a huge role in getting us uh, where we needed to go, and so I think he was totally an angel here on earth that the Lord was using um as part of the story, so we make it to Abilene to the um hospital urgent, urgent care, care yeah. uh, imaging center and
2: i don't know if we said, but we 're thirty to forty minutes outside of Abilene yeah you know the <clears throat> the ranch isn't technically out in Abilene um so we get to the urgent care thank. Well, I don't know about thankfully. Cameron is kind of calming down at that point. So we're thinking that maybe this is okay. Um, The doctor came in. uh, He looked at her, kind of checked it out. And he said, you know, this is a puncture wound. Um, Let's uh, clean it up a little bit and um, we'll get you out of here. And uh, I had to ask, well can we get her some Advil, you know, some medicine? Um, cause she's, you know, really hurting and do we need to do an x-ray or anything to, you know, make sure her head's okay. And he's like, no, uh, research says that that can cause cancer in little ones, So we really try to stay away from that. And like, okay, well you're the doctor. So, okay. Um,
1: And I asked about cleaning the wind out, and he said, No, we don't want to do that either. He's like, Wow, I really know nothing about the medical field. I'm starting to feel like I just had no clue.
2: Yeah. So we're there for, I I don't know how long, maybe a couple hours. Yeah, three hours or so. And and we get discharged, no big deal. And uh, again, you know, by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit is moving because we have a decision of, do we stay in Abilene for the night or do we go ahead and just come back to Fort Worth? And, um, Audrey just felt in her heart of let's get home. We'll be close to family and we'll be close to Cook Children's Hospital just in case. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we head home and, uh, Cameron is still crying and we're also just numb and in shock of what the heck is going on.
1: So we made that drive um, from Abilene home and she cried pretty much the whole way home. And then when we got home, I think we ended up getting home what around like 10-ish, 11. 10 ish, 11, yeah. And PM. we start doing bedtime routine because that's what you do. And um when we put her in her crib she was still crying and we noticed blood all over the crib and so it was like oh I guess we should clean that up so pick her up to to start cleaning things and I was gently consoling her kind of patting her pacing the room and at one point I turned I think to talk to Brandon and blood kind of spattered across the room and that's when I knew. I was like, okay, this injury happened hours ago at this point, where her head is still bleeding. No one should put their baby to bed with their head bleeding. And so I just looked at Brain and I said, Call me crazy. I need a second opinion. <laughs> Let's we're gonna go up to Cook Children's and I just said, I'll sleep better. I will sleep better tonight, knowing that we had this second opinion and, and really in my heart at this point, I thought Cameron needed staples. I felt like the wound needed to be closed. That's kind of what I was focused on of this needs to be closed. It shouldn't just be open. And, um, and she was bleeding through bandages and stuff like that. So we kind of rewrapped her head, put a Christmas hat on her and headed up to cook. Um, Again, with the expectation of maybe maybe staples at the worst.
2: Mm-hmm. So get to cook, do the triage thing, um, get into a room. The uh, emergency room doctor comes and sees her. Um, <clears throat> actually, puts Cameron down on the medical bed and is you know looking at her whole body. Which mm-hmm. when we went to Abilene, they didn't do that. I was just holding her the Mm -hmm. whole time. So Cook, immediately we felt like they were being a lot more thorough. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the, uh, the doctor kind of checked on her left, came back and and was like, okay, so tell me again what happened. A a deer mount fell off a wall. And Mm -hmm. how high was it up on the wall? how big is that how much do those weigh what part did it hit her and mm-hmm. and just was really thinking through it and she was like well let's definitely do an x-ray and and uh then she leaves and then she comes back and she's like we need to do a cat scan i think we i think we need to do a cat scan and i i don't know all about the difference, but I, it's just more thorough, I think. <laughs> you you can get a better image of the skull. So <clears throat> they do a CAT scan, and um, they come back and let us know, and, and now it's like 2 a.m. or so, and they, they let us know that her skull is fractured from the impact, and there is bone fragment in her brain. Mm-hmm. So...
1: And there's internal bleeding. Yeah,
2: and internal bleeding. And again, another, by the grace of God, spirit moving is what we found out later through a nurse who works at Cook is that that ER doctor, it was the very end of her shift. And so she was looking at the list of patients that needed, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, assistance. And she chose Cameron because at that point it was baby needs stitches, And so she chose it thinking, um, oh, I'll do this one, I'll be in and out, and then I can go home. And when she was seeing Cameron, she, you know, still had that tug to, I want to go home. But then just kept feeling like, no, this is, there's something more. I need to be more thorough. I need to continue to check. I need to do a CAT scan. So... um, You know, even something like that saved her life at that point.
1: At one point, her and Brandon were doing the math, figuring out the velocity that this thing fell and hit her. And Mm -hmm. it's like when I was kind of sitting back, holding camera and watching and listening to that, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like this is serious. I'm not crazy. This is a big deal. So then they started moving us rooms, which I learned that when you move rooms at a hospital, that's never a good thing. Mm-hmm. So um, we moved uh, to a, a longer-term waiting room uh, in the ER for a while, and then they moved us up to ICU, and at that point, I felt like I was in a movie of some kind, where it's almost like out of body, you're going through these motions, but it, you're like, this isn't me, this isn't happening. Um And we landed up in ICU at some point in the middle of the night. And little did we know there was a lot of planning going on on Cameron's behalf. And they had called in a neurosurgeon in the middle of the night to have him review um, her scans. And they were strategizing what's the best way to clean out this bone fragment and patch her brain and skull. And um, early that next morning was really, I, I believe some of this becomes a little bit foggy, um, but was when we first told our parents what was going on. Because up until this point, we didn't even tell our parents we went to get this second opinion because my thought was, let's figure out what's going on before we get everyone involved and everyone worried. And um, so no one knew that we were up there. And then once I felt like it was a decent time to wake up, (laughs) we sounded the alarm, called our parents, and they were all up there as soon as they could be right away. And, um, also sent out a text to a friend group saying, Hey, this happened. We're in the ICU and my phone's dying. Can someone bring me a charger? (laughs) Like, and maybe a toothbrush. Um, so that that's also when we first started to see people show up for us, which ended up being so crucial, um, throughout this whole, whole thing. So anyways, that next morning, early, early hours, um, we were in the ICU, and there's a team of surgeons and doctors and PAs and nurses. And um, Oh, wait, I'm forgetting a really good point. Okay, where <laughs> God really showed up. Okay, so um, in, the, in the ICU, they move us up to the ICU. And like I said, it was that out-of-body experience. And I all of a sudden got the worst headache of my life. And by worst headache, I mean debilitating. And I think it had to do with the stress and the hormones. It's almost like I've been in this shock mode and then all of a sudden it hit. And I remember laying there and I had my arms through like the rails on the crib because they're like caged in at the hospital. So they're through there and I'm like, I cannot lift my head, but I can't go to sleep. I can't leave her because... No one else is here besides Brandon and I, and so I've got to power through. So I asked this nurse, I said, can you please find me some Tylenol? I have to have some Tylenol. And uh, she said, I can't, I really can't. Um, and the pharmacy's closed in the hospital. There's nothing we can do for you for like four hours. And literally at this point, I'm like, you you can't tell me that. Like, I'm not functioning and then she showed back up about 10 minutes later and she said, I want you to take this and gave me something and I took it and the headache went away <laughs> and it was the best gift ever. And I just remember thinking, I'm, I'm very much a rule follower in my life and that was the perfect time to break the rules because it enabled me to get back and, and be present and all those things. So that, I totally think that was the Lord showing up. Um, so, yes, they, the next morning they uh, told us, I remember the surgeon looked right at us and said, this is serious, and she needs surgery. She, she needs surgery right away. We need to clean out the bone fragments. We need to patch her brain. Um. And the
2: dura. Yeah. So the little, like, protective around the brain it had also been punctured as well
1: and so then they started asking questions about um, when was the last time she ate you know all those kinds of things and that's surgery, scheduling and so they got us scheduled and um, of course our moms and dads and uh, friends at that point who knew what was going on which was a limited number were asking what can we do It's like, there is absolutely nothing we can do. The only thing we can do is pray. And it was at that point we had to make a decision. Are we going to keep this private or are we going to share this? And I just remember saying, we need to pray and we need everyone to pray. Like, please tell everyone. And in this day and age, that means put it on social media. And so I took the last picture I would posted of Cameron and just put pray for Cameron and put it on my Instagram. And um, that's unfortunately how most everyone uh, who we know and love found out about this, which isn't ideal, but it was the quickest way we could get the word out. And people started praying immediately and telling us and sharing that with us. And it did make such a difference. It gave us such peace um, and it gave us just joy knowing that other people were going to you know walk through this with us and um by the time she went into surgery that day we were saying we can't remember how many people were there but 25 plus were ready to wait with us during the surgery and our church had sent lunch up and it was it was all so helpful but we walked back walked her back uh, to the surgery room um and I remember one of the nurses back there. She checked us all in, and she said, "This sounds funny, but you'll want a picture of this." And I thought, "Oh gosh, this is either going to be a picture that we look at. I don't know what memories can be tied to this picture that's being taken right now." And I am glad that we have it, but um, it's it's a very uh, in a way pivotal moment, a big moment throughout this whole thing. And all the doctors introduced themselves, and of course, it was this team of all these. Very large men wheeling your little baby back is just kind of a terrible sight to see. I'm like, someone be loving in that room <laughs> and uh, be sweet. And they prepared us for the swelling we would see after surgery. She might not look like herself. She might not act like herself. She might she might not do all these things. And of course, we signed every waiver we had to, and um, then began to prepare ourselves for what was to come. And for for me, I remember telling um, one of my best friends on the phone who was driving in from Houston for the surgery. I said, I just, I don't know if she'll make it through surgery, but I need her to. And if she can make it through surgery, then we'll deal with whatever happens. Like, I just need her to live through surgery. And so that, to me, um, I, I was really not confident that she, she was going to make it through the surgery. So...
2: And thankfully she did. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, as, as you can tell, that was definitely one of the hardest parts of just um, saying goodbye to her um, for that time. Um, it was two hours, I believe, surgery-wise. Um, like we've said, they flushed out the bone fragment from her brain to prevent any infection. They patched up the dura... And then um, left room for something that just sounds awful called a bone flap, in case the brain starts swelling that they can take a part of her skull and open it up a little bit to help with the swelling. So they did all that, and um, they were she was done in about two hours. Um, and we were with family and friends, as we said. Um, which was extremely comforting and encouraging and we actually happened to see them carting her across the uh, from from through the doorway we saw her and uh, we heard that that was her and we got to go see her and she actually looked great she pretty much just looked like she was sleeping and and they said the surgery went great and um, so of course we were praising God for that and um, so then the next part was just okay surgery went well um we we need to monitor her and make sure that there is no brain swelling no um seizures or anything like that and um just make sure that she stabilizes
1: so when she came out of surgery um we looked at her head of course immediately and since it was a puncture wound the the cut itself was very little um, but they had to, to cut open a little bit more but this surgeon uh, did a beautiful job and it he said you know it kind of looks like a bird and if you think of a bird the way maybe a kindergartner would draw almost like a m stretched out just a doodle yeah that's <laughs> what it looks like right across the top of her head and so of course we kind of giggled at that and uh, thought of it that way. And so um, he did explain that there was brain damage due to the puncture and the bleeding. And that is such a scary word to hear about your infant, that there's brain damage. Um, but he also explained that while that damage is there, it, it will never um, like come back to life. What is gone is gone and it's, it's empty. However, the brain can rewire and so that's extremely hopeful for us of she can learn how to to do things just kind of down a different path. And one of the, I was reading uh, this little Jesus storybook Bible to Cameron while she was asleep after her surgery and after we had heard all of that. And I'm going to read this little passage from it, from Genesis 1 and 2 that I was reading to her. And of course I lost it. Um but think, think about what I just explained with this. In the beginning, there was nothing. Nothing to hear, nothing to feel, nothing to see. Only emptiness and darkness and nothing but nothing, aka her brain damage. But God was there, and God had a wonderful plan. I'll take this emptiness, God said, and I'll fill it up. Out of darkness, I'm going to make light, and out of nothing, I'm going to make everything. Like a mommy bird flutters her wings over her eggs to help her babies hatch. God hovered over the deep, silent darkness. He was making life happen. God spoke. That's all. And whatever he said happened. And so that became how I think of the bird on her head. Of It's God just hovering over her and taking this dark emptiness and making it life and and that's what we began to see. She was paralyzed on the right side um, for a little while in the hospital. Her
2: It hit the left side of her brain yeah. on the motor cortex, and so controlling the right side of your body. So that's why it was paralyzed on mm-hmm. that side.
1: And she wasn't moving her right hand, and um, the right side of her face was a little bit droopy, but nothing too extreme. And again, I'm thinking that's fine. She made through surgery. Well, we'll do all the therapy in the world or we'll just embrace left sides and we'll start a left side club. I don't know. It it seemed like it's okay. We'll work through it. But then you also start thinking of reality and nurses make comments in with a good intention, but well, she'll, they have special things for children. And you're like, oh, okay, we're going there. Um, But it was pretty cool because within a couple of days of being there, Uh, Brandon had a a candy bar a big shiny silver silver wrapper and he was sitting there eating it with her kind of crinkling the wrapper and she used her right arm and reached out for it and kind of brought it up uh, it was (laughs) so (laughs) exciting it was so cool and the candy it's still on our refrigerator it's still (laughs) on our fridge it's like oh and it is it's a good reminder of um, things can change you know what they say is, is is may not be and that was the case for Cameron so we spent a total of 10 days in the hospital. We eventually moved up um, rooms and uh, floors where we kind of we, we kept just getting, it, getting through one day at a time. It's like, okay, the swelling's gonna be bad. It was okay, it wasn't great, it wasn't awful. It was okay, got through that. Okay, Cameron's not keeping food down. It's all right. We're going to get through it. She finally kept food down. And so we just kind of worked through little things um, on and off throughout our time there. And um, then we're eventually released. Yeah. Um, missing anything? Well,
2: one thing I'll just say again of where God moved was I had never, and us, we had never experienced the power of prayer mm-hmm. um, like that of, Of course, we were nervous and scared and upset, but um, we had just an amazing supernatural peace of just that God is here. Um, As Audrey was saying, we enlisted everybody that we could to be praying for Cameron, and we had a poster in the hospital room um, that uh, Alberta did for us, and it had hundreds of names, of people that were praying for Cameron. And um, cool. we just really felt prayer in a way that we had never felt before.
1: And one of my girlfriends gave us, a, mailed us a map, and it's actually of the world, and there are dots of everywhere mm-hmm. where people were praying for us. And she went through all, all of the social media platforms to figure out who had connected with who because that's really how word was spreading about it. And... Um it was really, really cool, really helpful and hopefully a witness to to other other uh, medical staff coming in our room and, and seeing. And people have asked, you know, how how did you how did you not get mad at God or how did you not run away? And I think or for us, 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 us or us fight. <laughs> gosh, we got that question more than anything because you, you sleep on this little like love seat bench for 10 days and you're bound to fight but those were the gifts I feel like from God we got like we weren't fighting and we slept well and um you know we were able to come together in this situation and I to me that was a blessing it's not a to tout you know and be like we're awesome it's not that it's like that was a provision we were given in the midst of all this so um you know, today, if y'all see Cameron at Target, you'd be like, oh, look, she's normal. And I hear that on the regular of, oh, she's perfect. And you're like, okay, yeah. (laughs) Um, And there is, there is this element of she, she has been healed from so much that is unexplainable. There is also this element of there was and is brain damage. And There is still healing to take place, and there are a lot of unknowns um, for us. And while we are so excited and hopeful and we remember the things like the rapper or um, the construction worker saying, follow me, we remember all those awesome things and we believe, okay, God, you did it then, you'll do it again. Um, and we, that's, that's really our mentality with moving forward with her and her development, but she does do therapy, um, often on a whole variety of them. There are things as her mom that I see that are different. Um, but overall she looks great and she's thriving and she's beautiful and her smile is symmetrical. And when the doctor saw that, he was like, this doesn't make sense. You know, where this hit, and goes into the medical, where this hit, it was so deep on this one part, like that smile, how is it symmetrical? And so it's things like that. that she were,
2: runs, plays, yeah. jumps, dances.
1: Yeah, she's a hoot and a typical toddler. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. That's our
2: story.
0: <laughs> These two young parents are so dear to me. I've known Brandon since he was just a little guy carpooling to preschool with my own son. His mom, Vicki, and I shared so many prayer times together for our children through the Moms and Prayer group she led in their home. So now, full circle, to hear Brandon and Audrey's mighty call to prayer for their daughter, Cameron, brings tears to my eyes. May we who walk with Christ never, ever underestimate the power of prayer. One of the sweetest verses I love in all the Bible is Isaiah 40, verse 11. It says, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Our loving Heavenly Father gave Brandon and Audrey peace which surpasses all human understanding, during this time of crisis and gave Audrey the perfect words of encouragement she needed at the very moment she needed to hear them. Even now, when Brandon and Audrey see Cameron's scar, it isn't a scar they see at all. It's her precious bird reminding them that God's got this as He continues to instruct and gently lead them. And as they make decisions for Cameron, and now also for her sister Madeline, And a new adventure and business has sprung up as a result of Cameron and Audrey's many hours attending therapy sessions. Audrey has developed sensory boxes for young children called Let Them Be Little Box. Themed sensory boxes delivered to your door every month, making little smile as they develop and learn through play. To see photos of Brandon and Audrey and their family, and to learn more about Let Them Be Little Boxes, Please visit our website at wonderfultotel.com. And please be sure to subscribe to our show so you won't miss out on any of our episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at Wonderfultotell. This episode was produced by Brad and Tracy Conrad with invaluable support of our crew members. Michael, Lindy, Kevin, Katie, Karen, Nancy, Mark, Debbie, Haley, Jeffrey, and John Alfred. Michael Conrad composed our intro. Lindy Conrad came up with our name. And Matt, Jeff, and Justin from Fort Worth High Tech Signs created our logo. If you have a story wonderful to tell, let us know. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and at our website, wonderfultotell.com and thanks for listening